When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the School for Dumb Women. In episode 76, we invited animal expert Roddy Shaw to the podcast for a second time to answer Caroline's questions on lizards. Here's our full chat with Roddy, including some sneaky fucker lizards and some bat chat for good measure. So Caroline, you were going to do your segment on lizards this week, um, but then you had a self-assessment tax nightmare and... uh... (laughs) (laughs) That is precisely what happened, Alex. I've been very fascinated (laughs) by the notion of lizards recently. Thought, what a great excuse to really learn everything there is to learn about lizards. Turns out there's more... There's more of a greater need for me to finish my self-assessment form than there was for me to learn about lizards this particular week. So, um, as we all do in a time of crisis, I put the bat signal in the sky and I waited for justice to come to me. And uh, and here he is. I am justice. Welcome, uh, Mr. Roddy Shaw. uh, Hello. Formerly known as the Batman on this podcast, you did a specialist segment which was very popular on bats. Thank you very much. When yeah. you, were, you were working for a bat charity at the time on the I bat was. helpline. I was. I was working for a bat charity at the time. Um, I now work for a tree charity. Yes. But Ooh. because bats live in trees, I just tell people I've moved into real estate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also bats, not great PR since we last met. No, yeah. It's been a good time to get out of the bat game. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. Buy low, Defin- sell high, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the landscape around bats has definitely shifted in the last 12 months. I uh, like, oh, they used to be cute and now they've not let me get drunk in a pub for yeah. a year. Yeah. So you, you used to be a bat, the bat expert yeah. and now you're the tree expert. And what, um, what, can you tell me, what business do you have with lizards? What business do I have with lizards? What business do you have, sir? <laughs> I, um, yeah, who are you, charlatan? Um, no, I did um, zoology at university and I've always been fascinated with animals. So I've got some paperwork to say all, all animals. And yeah, I'm delighted to talk about them. I feel like, okay, I know today we're doing a lizard thing, but... I feel like bats often do get the blame for disease spreading, don't they? This is not a new complaint on them. No. And Why? Okay, yeah. If we want to let's start the lizard episode answering bat questions, sure. So just some housekeeping from the last episode, you know. Yeah, let's just um, you know, dot the i's and cross the t's yeah. over the last 12 months. So bats, uh, being the only mammals that can fly, um, flight demands an incredible amount of energy on their system. So if you imagine when you run, you get like stitches and your body makes waste products, right? We kind of know that burning up all the energy causes that. Well, flying is that turned all the way up to 11. So one of the theories is that because bats produce so many waste products in their system when they fly, 
They've got insane immune systems which can handle ridiculous, like, toxic loads. Oh. Yeah. They're basically poisoning wow. themselves every time they fly. So their immune system has adapted to be able to handle, like, ridiculous amounts of metabolic poison and waste and everything in their system. And so there's a thought that that could be why they're able to basically handle and deal with so many viruses. Now, of course, if we leave the bats alone, that's absolutely no problem to us. But if we decide we're going to eat them in soup... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you were about to be like, mm. but of course, if we keep on fucking them, it'll never change. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> Alex, what you do in your spare time is... <laughs> None of my concerns. Is uh, yeah. a danger to the human race. Yeah. <laughs> my God. Okay, so I'm glad that we cleaned up the bat housekeeping for this episode. Now yes. let's get yeah. down to brass lizards. Um, yeah. Let me tell you a story. So back in November, I moved house. Mm-hmm. And um, my new house is near almost nothing except for <laughs> a extremely well-stocked pet shop. And pet no. shops, being an essential business... Uh, have, it hasn't closed. So basically, my only entertainment is to um, walk around the park with my dog, g- go to Sainsbury's, or look at the lizards in the pet shop. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so good. It's my favourite thing to do. And I've just fallen in love with them. only happen to you, Caroline. Like, <laughs> it doesn't happen you, to me. I seek it out. I know, but that's what I mean. Like, you're... Your next book's going to be like about a magic pet shop full of lizards. I would buy a hundred copies yeah. of a book about a magic pet shop. Because you you have the Rolodex for the people who want that book as well. So I would need yeah, to exactly. very much. Yeah. Body's the gateway to that community. You are. Yeah. You exactly. You're the gateway to that community. And I've just seen so many that I think are so cool and smart. And I love them. <laughs> In particular... There's one called an an earless dragon who I visit as often as I can. He is about the size of like a baby finger and he is just the the dotiest thing in the world. And he was only like discovered in the 90s or something in Australia and he's already an endangered species. And it just got me thinking like, Christ, I know nothing about lizards. And then when I looked into lizards, basically like, do you guys know that story about how... um, you know, the, the judge who was trying to define what porn was and he says, I know it when I'm looking at it kind of thing. It's basically the famous lines. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. It, it seems as if lizards are kind of the same. Like there's one, there's no one uniting factor that they all have in common because some of them lay eggs and some of them breed and some of them do this and that. But you know it when you see it. And that seems to be the only <laughs> rule for lizards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over to you. Um, over to me. <laughs> So, yeah, you're dead right. And that's a great, like, reference to to kind of launch point for them. They are a bit of a hodgepodge of things that we kind of outwardly look at them and say, four legs, scales, maybe eggs, who knows? And we're like, that's a lizard. But if you rewind the clock all the way back, because um, I think there was a question about how they might tie in with dinosaurs. That was Hannah's question. Yeah. Yes, I have that on my questions list. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you for addressing that early. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a great, it's a great sort of launch point, and it is going to tie in with what Caroline said. So, the closest thing to dinosaurs isn't actually lizards. <gasps> I think I know what it is. Yeah, birds. It is birds. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So birds. lizards split off from dinosaurs about two hundred and fifty million years ago, and the group that we call lizards now technically includes snakes as well. Ugh. And crocodiles are nearer the birds, so they're not actually anything really in common there. But they look the same. That's mad. They're just, yeah. they're just scaled up. 
Yeah. There we go. Put it on the board. <laughs> and tortoises are even kind of further back and more distantly related. So what we call reptiles of turtles, tortoises, lizards, snakes, crocodiles is exactly that kind of bigger picture hodgepodge of things where we're like, mm. if it's scaly, we kind of lump it together. A way of kind of thinking of this is if you imagine you had a cooking cupboard, you could file everything by the ingredient that kind of makes it. So you could have a shelf that just has peanut butter and peanut oil and mm. any other kind of peanut related thing. But really how we kind of organize things is we'd put all the oils together. So they might not have anything really in common, but we're like, they're a group. So those are the two ways that people go about classifying living things. The kind of whether they've got peanuts in or the genetics is the much more recent one. And the historic one with this idea of what lizards are or what reptiles are is the much older when exactly that. It was more, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it when I see it kind of approach. And it was count the legs, does it have snail? Uh, does it have snails? <laughs> count the legs, does it have scales? Put it in a group together. So lizards are definitely a sort of hodgepodge group. I and, can't believe they lay eggs. Well, some do and some don't, which is again. So if we, we're thinking of the lizard group, so we've got all the reptiles, which is this sort of hodgepodge. And within that, we've got lizards, which is a smaller hodgepodge, but there are things they have in common, right? right? They are all related snakes are within that group and are basically a type which just went off and did its own thing and what's left is four legs scales small (laughs) small ish yeah very nippy very nippy but then you get like komodo dragons that is like big as a labrador basically bigger yeah so most of them are small the smallest lizard is a type of gecko and it is 19 millimeters long right So that is like fingernail size Mm. and it goes right the way up to Komodo dragons, which can be over three metres long. And they can kill a man at 30 paces. Yes, they can. (laughs) Aren't they the thing, like, they live in Indonesia, don't they? And they... Mm -hmm. They have like poison saliva and if if they poison you, they follow you around until you die or something? Is that (gasps) the the mythos? They're really evil bastards, aren't they? They're very evil, yes. It's definitely more mythos than fact um so the no there was the original idea that what they did was that komodo dragons had mouths full of bacteria and they would bite things and it'd go off and kind of rot and then they'd track it down right Mm. what we've since learned is that komodo dragons are actually venomous because before it was thought that only the snakes were venomous that right. was one of the things that separated the snakes from the lizards, right? Um, and sounds, the men from the boys. That like yeah. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So separates yeah. the men from the boys and the snakes from the lizards. Exactly. <laughs> so we've since found out that there are plenty lizards which do have venom in them. And again, if we go back to that kind of genetic, what ties things together, it could be one of the things that links snakes and lizards is that way back in their history, something was venomous. Snakes really rolled with that idea and then only some lizards kind of stuck with it so that idea of the bacteria infecting things with komodo dragons they've got venom in their bite but what they think is on the island that they live the island of komodo they've got water buffalo and they'll bite a water buffalo and if it were to survive because they can take them out straight away if they want to but if it were to survive what the water buffalo might do is go and kind of hang around in a pool of water it just wants to hide it's been bitten it wants to chill out somewhere right Mm -hmm. But of course, imagine if you were in somewhere very hot and humid 
and you had a gaping wound on your oh, leg yeah. and you decided mm. the place to go was some stagnant water <laughs> full oh, of yeah. shit. <laughs> oh. yeah. And that is where the overlap, they think now, is that oh. once something is bitten and it goes off, it goes and gets infected and ends up with these horrible wounds. The infection doesn't start with the Komodo dragon, but the Komodo dragon can oh. deal with it once it goes to eat the carrion. Okay. Someone needs to get those water buffaloes some Dettol. They do. Yeah, they would like change yeah. the whole ecosystem. Also, Komodo dragons famously just wear silk dressing gowns, don't they? Exclusively, <laughs> yeah. Um, but only for ceremonies. It's yes. not everyday wear. Yeah, <laughs> no, just Komodo weddings. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> or if they have a suitor over. Yeah, Komodo bank holidays. <laughs> But going on from that, with the with the infect, once they've found this infected meat, they need a way to deal with it. So, and um, we're sort of hitting the ground running, pinging all over the place. But <laughs> there used to be this idea, you know, protect the rainforest because the plants are where we get medicines, right? Sure. What they're finding out now is that so many different animals have weird things going on. We might be able to use them. So if Komodo dragons are able to eat this meat once it's been infected and wallowing, what's going on there? And they're finding that there are proteins in the Komodo dragon system, in their digestive system, which can deal with bacteria in ways that, like, none of our kind of bacteria-resistant medicine can, right? They can just beat hands-down flattened bacterial infections. And the researchers studying this have just called the protein Dragon One, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) Yeah, if they were to announce, you know, some new super medicine which is going to save the NHS or whatever from MRSA... Imagine if Komodo dragons finish what bats started. Yeah, it all all comes full circle. That's like the best bee movie ever, isn't it? Like Sharknado or something. Komodo versus bat. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Once the snakes were separated from the lizards, the Komodo dragons finished what the bats had started. So I'm very interested in like... Like lizards, they seem like lone rangers. Like, are there lizard communities? Do they have like family <laughs> ways of acting? Like the way that like you see with wolves and apes and things. Um, I can't think of any which kind of stick in social groups. There are mm-hmm. definitely some which are less territorial and don't mind if others are near them. And then some are really like, fuck you, go away. Fair. Right? Yeah. But the ones which kind of hang out together, I don't, they're not going to, I don't think they're really going to be like what we imagine, you know, a family of chimpanzees or a herd of elephants where they're all kind of related and they truck around together. They're just mm. maybe, you know, if there's a food source, they're kind of easier hanging out near each other. But there's an interesting, I can't remember the name of the lizard, but I remember it being referred to as the rock, paper, scissors one. <laughs> because it's it like is gambling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> In in its, I'm going to say social group, I don't think it's, again, like the elephant thing, but like they all hang out on the same big rock, right? Right. And they're quite <laughs> small. The males have three different mating strategies where one of them is really aggressive. One of them, I think, just finds one female and sort of sticks with it. So the really aggressive one basically owns a patch of rock and tries to mate with as many as it can. The other one, if I remember, only picks one female and kind of sticks with her. And the other one is called the sneaky fucker lizard. (laughs) (laughs) And it's essentially a rock, paper, scissors thing because it was like the one which picks one beats the one which has a group. Mm -hmm. The one which sneaks in each strategy of how to kind of survive in this group 
was beat one and susceptible to the other. Yeah, that's and so cool. And they'd all see each other on the rock and, you know, the when the angry one was trying to chase off the one who only had one female, the sneaky fucker one had run in and kind of oh get everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'm imagining is, narratively speaking, um, <laughs> and to that, the author. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so like we have the lizard who's got his like lizard wife or whatever. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and then yeah. the then the sneaky fucker lizard. Like, you know, maybe they used to be sneaky fuckers together and he comes into the other lizard and he's like, look, one big job. We can get into the harem. We can take him down, you and me. And we can we can rule the entire rock and own yeah. these bitches. And he's like, I the don't know. The wife got... left that lifestyle a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she's dying, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then his old guy, old pal comes back in for yeah. one last heist. One, yeah. one last heist. One last job. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like this lizard book is taking shape. <laughs> Set really... in the magical pet store. Yeah, <laughs> the magical pet store. Back to the magical pet store. Because obviously the first thing I did after I fell in love with this extremely small um, earless lizard was see if I could own him and mm-hmm. him be my friend. Um, but then, then I, have, I have a dog and apparently dog ownership and lizard ownership do not go hand in hand. But I sort of got lost in the pet forum world of people talking about lizard care. And what I learned was is that it's basically impossible to have two lizards in the same thing because, like, really? I, I can't remember which it's like I can't remember which one it was. But basically, the most common form of like pet lizard, they're mm. like, oh yeah, you might think they're getting along, but actually, everything you're interpreting as being affection or like cuddling is like a show of dominance, and eventually, you will come home and the other one will have ripped off the other one's arm, and they're just hunched <laughs> to each other. Oh, probably. Spray of blood across the terrarium. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I have a question about chameleons. Yep. They're a lizard, right? Yep. How how does their skin physically change? Like how does that how it how is it that they see something and then their body knows what to change into? Okay. So two things there. One, very common misconception that they do it to blend in with their environment. Oh. 
what they do it for in like 99% of cases because at the end of the day if you're going to if you're green you're going to look like a leaf right yeah but why they actually sort of change it is kind of emotional mood <gasps> so when they're ang- when they're angry they're a mood ring yes they are mood ring of the forest wow um so when they're angry they go very dark so males will use it to kind of display against each other and say you know i mean what would be great is if they could kind of change the color to act- they're basically changing the color to read fuck you right, right? <laughs> yeah the fun thing about that is when they sleep so chameleon uh feet if you imagine most lizards have a foot kind of like a hand in as much as it's just Ooh, like yeah. fingers splaying out Creepy. right chameleon feet have um imagine your your pointer finger was the same side as your thumb yes and then your thumb and that were fused and your other three fingers were fused and it's like a pincer yes they've got a little pincer hand right which is why everything is a-okay for chameleons yes (laughs) um but what the pincer hand does is if you've just got a flat hand with claws you can't really stand on like the tiny thin branches but because chameleons have pincer hands, they can like pince really thin things to mm. walk on. So they're the when circus lizard. They are the circus lizard. But this ties in with the color thing, and also is when I drop a really wanky anecdote of when I was working in Madagascar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Roddy is Nessa, from yeah. Gavin and Stacey, by the way, because he'll be like, "When well, I was working in." <laughs> yeah, but when you want to find chameleons in the day, it's bloody impossible, right? But they sleep, they climb all the way out to the tiniest, thinnest branches because nothing else can get there because they don't have the pincy hands to catch them. And when they fall asleep, they must forget what colour setting they're on because they just turn white. (gasps) So when you're looking for them, you go through the forest at night with a torch and at the end of all the branches are just little white sleeping chameleons. Oh my God. it up and you can just pick them up. Why are their eyes so dry? So dry. Yeah, they've got like eyes the same as their skin. So the eyes are actually right on the end of those. Those are like fleshy oh, turrets. I see. And they fleshy can... turrets. <laughs> yeah. You should write Arabica. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, but they can move them completely independently. If you look at the end, you will see like a teeny tiny little yes. eye. But they've got very, very crazy eyes. I mean, can you imagine? It must be such a headache for your brain to have one eye looking forwards and one eye backwards. Oh, yeah. Because your image yeah. is just going to cut halfway and yeah. be trying to visualise how and to be able to then scope like 360 with two completely separate images. Oh, my God. Yeah, trying to bend your head around it. But apparently Apache helicopter pilots can kind of learn to do this where the helmet that they use to fly the helicopter has a little, like imagine like Iron Man, right, where he's got all the like heads up thing telling him what's happening in the helicopter yeah they've got one of those right in front of their eye and the other eye is kind of looking out at the world and they have to be able apparently when you start learning to fly one of these it's like a ridiculous headache but they eventually can like move their eyes independently where one eye is like checking the fuel gauge or whatever and the other eye is like so humans can kind of do it but it's a and they're probably yeah. dressed in camouflage, so they basically are a human chameleon. So it all lizard. comes together. Yeah. Um, wow. So back on the lizard as pets thing. Yep. How do you? <laughs> let me. Um, let me just vested interest. Um, obviously, like animals that have been domesticated for a long time, like cats mm-hmm. and dogs and stuff. 
rightly or wrongly, we're able to kind of ascribe to them a kind of a human emotion like loyalty or joy or fear. Mm -hmm. And we can sort of read those emotions really easily in those animals, right? Mm -hmm. But like, when a lizard is a pet, is it domestic in any way? Or is it just like, does it have any sense of it being in an owned relationship the way, I don't know, I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but is there any way in which a lizard can be a dog? Is it your friend? Is it your friend? (laughs) Is, yes, Hannah, as always, cutting to the chase. Is it your friend or is it just like, oh, there's the big dark shadow coming near me again kind of thing? Well, the big dark shadow brings it food. Yeah. Um. So there's that side. The other side is they're pretty dumb. Like in That's the setting. in the kind of animal, yeah. you know, if you've got dolphins at the top and wood lice at the bottom, lizards aren't, in the, lizards aren't in the top tier. They're right. pretty dumb. So they'd have a But nice like time. that's not, you know, like God bless them, they're just happy to get a cricket. You know, <laughs> <laughs> have a bit of lettuce from time to time. I mean, it's a very simple life, you know. Yeah, do they do they They're not worried eat? about tax returns, you yeah. know. They're just chilling out, Lucky happy cunts. to be warm, getting a bit of food. What are their sex lives like? Do they is it like just sort of hump and dump kind of thing? Um Well you said that there's there's obviously the rock paper. Well there's one that has a wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just one. The one yeah. good man left in Lizard Town. It's like sex in the city. Yeah. I don't know. Aside from that I can't think of like a kind of famous example of like lizard swans, which kind of, you know, mm. go around together. I imagine in most cases it is a pump and dump, as yeah. you described. <laughs> However, there are some lizards where the whole species is exclusively female. Ooh. And they, so they've just gotten rid of men altogether. Like Wonder Woman's Island. They've gone all wow. out, all the single ladies. Yeah. And they reproduce by something called parthenogenesis. And parthenogenesis shows up in quite a couple different bits of like the animal kingdom. And it's basically virgin birth. And it's where females can just give birth without the need for a male. Now, in some instances, this is called obligate parthenogenesis, and that is where it's exclusively the only way they do it. So for whatever reason in history, females started doing it, and they were like, do you know what, guys, we don't need you, we're off. And the males just... But is it like a mental trigger then? They're like, I want to have a baby. I mean, you'd have to interview them mm. as to what, you know, they could be incredibly well, career-focused. Luckily, we've got one here tonight. <laughs> yeah. So some species are completely like that, and it's a great trick for the lizard because if you imagine if you... It happens a lot on kind of island species because if you are a lizard which gets washed up on an island one day mm. in, like, evolutionary time and there's no one else there, if you're the only one, you're going to die. But if you can just pop off babies on your own, mm. then you can colonise the island no problem and you, your species keeps living, right? So in some mm. instances, it's the only way they do it. But in others, and going back to Komodo dragons, it seems to be something the females can choose to do or turn wow. on and off, where in most instances, they need a male to mate. But there are zoos around the world which have, set, which have reported cases of having a female in captivity for three years and going in one day and she's laid alone of eggs. And the eggs wow. are hatched. That's incredible. And the bonkers bit is whereas the obligate ones, so these are the ones which only do it, they've done in with males ages ago, are females producing females, which we can kind of imagine, right? Because you think she's only got the genetic info, she's just going to make clones of herself. Mm. Yeah. The Komodo dragons are females that produce males. Always. Yeah. 
Gender is nothing. I like, will keep going technical with this, this till so it gets insane. wild. But basically, we've got XY chromosomes. Yeah. Komodo dragons have ZW. And ZW is the female. When she makes eggs, they split summer Z, summer W. And if the Z, if it becomes ZZ, it's a male and it can go off fine. But if it becomes WW, for whatever reason, it can't. It's, it's nothing. Because to be female, it has to be Z and W. So ZZ is male. So, but if they <clears throat> shag, they can have male or female. Yes, because they get the other side of the DNA. But basically, it again goes into that idea of why is this useful. If you were a female Komodo dragon way back, and it gets a little bit freaky here, but imagine you're on an island on your oh, own. Oh, you're going to have to shag your son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, There's the no. penny. Oh, but no. um, I think that Komodo dragons, like most things which can do this are like insects, fish, weird things. When lizards, st- when they started finding lizards that could do it, they were like, oh, this is weird because it's like a higher form of animal, right? It's not like a slug or a, mm, you know, mm, it's like mm. higher up the thing. And I'm pretty sure Komodo dragons are the biggest kind of most advanced thing we know which can pull this trick off of just females making babies on their own. Wow. That's mad. But also, if they don't have, you know, you said some lay eggs and some don't. Mm-hmm. If they don't lay eggs, how do they have babies? Oh, live. Like a mammal. Yes. So that isn't what makes a mammal a mammal. But if you imagine... But yes, like a mammal. Right. What makes us a mammal? Boobs. Boobs. Right. Boobs. Yeah. Is that genuinely it? Yeah. Mm, feeding your young, yeah. isn't it? Live young and feeding them. Well, oh. it's not feeding your young. It is producing milk. I don't think anything else produces milk. There's loads of... So there's a thing called a Sicilian, which is a type of amphibian which is not a lizard, and I would love to come on and do a thing on amphibians, hint, hint. But anyway, <laughs> Sicilian, if you imagine a worm about three feet long or a foot to three feet long, they're kind of like that. It's like a salamander without legs, right? Right. And they feed their young, where the female lays all her eggs and they live under the ground and in swamps and boggy. You're never going to see one, right? But they're really weird. Anyway, they lay one and they lay their eggs and they coil around their eggs to like keep them safe and then the babies hatch and they feed their young by shedding their skin in, like, one full piece. <laughs> and the babies eat that, and they grow it and shed it. So feeding wow. a young... Because if you said feeding a young, birds bring worms to the nest. Yeah. That's feeding mm, a young. Yeah, yeah. If you said feeding a young by something you make, then the Sicilians got you trumped because it's feeding it their skin. Over my dead body. Yeah. yeah. On a plate. <laughs> So, yeah, producing milk has to be, is the qualifier then. Yeah, it's a big one. God, we're learning so much today. I have um, uh, an important question. Mm -hmm. What, in your opinion, is the best lizard? And why is that little geckos that you see when you're on holiday in Greece and they're just like scurrying along the terrace? It was 100% going to be geckos before you even said it. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, correct. Um, Geckos are over-engineered in a way that is insane. The way that geckos stick to surfaces is pretty much unlike anything. It's not how like spiders do it. It's not how anything else does it. On the end of a gecko's foot, they've got, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but their toes get quite fat, right? They've got fat little toes. And yeah. on the they've got un- like suction cups, right? Like, uh, like Mission Impossible. Oh, even better. Even better. Oh. Like frogs, I'm pretty sure frogs suction to things. There's a type of bat called the sucker and it's got a tiny little suction cup on the end of its wing and it can stick to things. Geckos take it to a whole other level, right? On the end of each toe, they've got these sh- um, 
kind of like sheets. Like imagine, you know, like, um, have you ever seen those like plastic wallets that you kind of open up and they've got loads of... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So that kind of thing, which is sheet, 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 right? On the end of their toe. And on the end of each sheet, it goes into hairs. And on the end of each hair, it goes into hairs. Right down to the level that the hairs are so small, they are connecting to the molecular forces <gasps> of the molecules that make up the wall, right? What? So whether or not it's wet, like you need wet to be suction, right? So they can walk on something bone dry. A gecko could stick to like the outside of the space station, just as good as it could stick to something like it is bonkers it's bonkers to the point that the forces which it makes that a a tiny gecko that weighs like 70 grams which is like what like three tablespoons or something like tiny tiny has enough strength in one of its toes to lift something like 130 kilos right it is bonkers level what over engineered so if i tried to pick a gecko off a off a plant pot it, it would probably just stick onto it. Well, they can basically turn it on and off by how they kind of move the, right, they've got like muscles which kind of move the sheets and mm-hmm. that can turn it on and off and it's to do with angles and stuff. So they're able to do that in a way that doesn't mean you'd yeah, they can, rip they can their lift toe their off or whatever. Up, yeah, they yeah. can lift up and run around. <laughs> but it's like one of the holy grails of sort of materials technology because if we could make this that could turn on and off, you could have Mission Impossible climbing up buildings in ways that... wow. Are like, yeah, geckos are great. They are great. They oh can drop their t- well. Lots of lizards can do this, but geckos are pretty good at it. They can drop their tail and regrow their tail. <gasps> so a lot of lizards. There's about six thousand species, and most of those are pretty small. The Komodo dragons are like the real exception, and the group that they're part of, which are monitor lizards, which are the stuff that you used to see Steve Irwin going around catching. Those are the ones that really get big. A couple of iguanas get big. Most things are small. And when you're small in nature, that means most things eat you, right? Yeah. So that's why lizards are good at camouflage. That's why they're quick. That's why they've got to get away. But one of the things they've got is they can just drop their tail in an instant and the tail will wriggle around and they get to run away and then they can regrow it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So they've got like vertebrae going down their tail and then at one point in it, they can just say... Nope, we're done. Cut it. Get rid of it. And it Ooh. it's really like I've caught them and you go and grab them and you have to learn to not grab them by the tail because they were... And it's... Yeah, it does fuck you up. You like grab it and then it's like... Ah! It's oh a man! Yeah. Um, oh, and then you just got like a wriggly tail. Yeah, and it, and it wriggles around for a bit. Oh, but it doesn't, that's so weird! But it doesn't, it doesn't bleed. It doesn't... There's no blood. They just like, boom, done. Gone. Wow. Wow. And in an instant, yeah. Where does it poo? Not out of its tail. <laughs> but then does it have like two bum holes until it grows back? No, the bum's at the base of the tail and then the tail comes. Imagine a monkey. Or a cat. Um, a or anything with one a tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Shit's out of its tail. <laughs> no, 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 but I just mean it'll look like it's got two bum holes. It'll look no, like one not. bum hole and half meant. a tail. <laughs> It's not like a tail at the base. No, it's midway down right. the tail. I'm with right, you. okay. <laughs> Finally, it makes Sorry, some I sense. I thought it was just like left a gaping arse wound and then above its arse. No, it, it retains like half a tail. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I have a final question about dragons. Mm-hmm. What? 
and by not, I don't mean Komodo dragons. I mean like old school magical fantasy dragons, like yep. fire. Bobby's literally turning his notes. Wings, <laughs> or everything you imagine when you imagine dragons. Um, why don't we have them? A and two. Uh, why did we once <laughs> think we had them? Like, because there was a time, I did this in my English uh, master's where it was like, master's? I did a BA. Um, <laughs> I just lied to myself out loud about having a master's. Where, like, for up until, like, the 15th century, people were writing about dragons as if they were this thing that existed they just had never seen. Yeah. Like in Beowulf. There's a big old dragon in Beowulf, isn't there? Yes, yeah. there is, yeah. I mean, most people up to the 15th century were pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> and didn't know about dinosaurs, but occasionally found a bit of a dinosaur... And would be like, wonder what this is, and they'd come up with stuff like that. Is my guess on how dinosaur, um, dinosaur on how dragon legends came about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's weird things though when you, because like in Western cultures, dragons for us are always like big, scary. Ah, George and the dragon keeping the mm-hmm. princess and all the rest, and are quite like chunky, chunky things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But kind of Chinese dragons are all very good luck long and snake-like. Oh, yes, and they're in the sky and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's really... I don't... I I think the broad kind of guess is it's to do with bones that they'd occasionally dig up and you'd have to... Like cyclopses, they're pretty mm-hmm. sure the cyclops myth came about because elephants... Elephant skulls don't look anything like elephants mm-hmm. because where their trunk... Their trunk doesn't have any bones, right? So the skull mm-hmm. doesn't have a trunk bone. Mm. But where the trunk goes in, there's one big hole... Oh. So cyclopses, if you see an elephant's skull and you don't know what an elephant is or have ever, like, chopped a trunk off or, you know, done anything to put two and two together, you've got a big, chunky skull that kind of looks human-ish but with one massive hole in the middle. So that uh, drifted off lizards, but it kind of goes back to, (laughs) I think the dragon thing is, is finding bones and all the rest, but... And I did turn my page because I learned something that I didn't know, but about kind of lizards and different folklores around the world. And they pop up places Ooh. that have them, uh, you know, more than us. They're a much more integral part of the kind of culture, right? So the Aborigines, they believe that the lizard god is what split humans into males and females. Oh. Nice little twist, especially since some lizards are exclusively yeah. female, we know. Um, in the Amazon, the lizard is the king of the beasts. So it's not the lion, it's the lizard. Oh, but the one I like the best is in the Bantu people of Africa, their lizard god called Unkolunkulu. Lovely. Right? So this god sent a chameleon to tell humans they would live to get, live forever, but the chameleon got held up on the way and we never received the message. Got held up. Yeah. Held up. <laughs> I know. Which, when I was reading it and I'm like, oh, chameleon, and then I see the word, send chameleon to deliver a message, and I saw but, and I went, oh, and the chameleon disguised and we never yeah. got it. No, yeah. chameleon just got held up somewhere. Just held up at the border. <laughs> yeah. He just did that, he did that yeah. classic thing where he got into the town where he's going to deliver his message, saw a pub and thought, I'll just nip in for one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow. I did that thing where it was like, I've got to... Why am I... What's, what's the thing? The, Who's the, the, the guy? Living gonna live. People. Nah. nah. Yeah, figure it out. I'll live here now, by the yeah. sea. <laughs> <laughs> I will retire. Yeah. With my etchings. Yeah. <laughs> my etching! Met a nice girl and settled down. Yeah. She had babies on her own, and then he fucked off. Yeah. <laughs> final, final question. Are the royal family lizards? Yep. 
Conclusively. <laughs> this has been quite a tale. That was a lovely section. Yeah. I've I've learned so much. Thank you for um furnishing my, my lizard fascination. I yeah. wanna say okay. that I do more reading after this, but this is probably as far as it'll go. <laughs> are, you gonna, fine. are you gonna get a pet lizard? No. I don't think the dog will take to it. <laughs> oh. Oh right, it was great. Yeah. That was really yeah, good. Yeah, thank pal. you. Thank you for uh, enlightening us. You Smart. are pound for pound our best value guest. You really are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um also Roddy has a new podcast coming out soon. Do you? Yes, about nature things. Can you tell us about the the goose concept behind the podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is called How Many Geese. It's me and my friend who is an ornithologist. And if you want an episode on birds, like I'm risking myself here at your most pound for pound interesting guest because he can he can do birds. Um, and <laughs> oh, the podcast is yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's called How Many Geese. It's going to be sort of fun nature stuff um but with the the key bit of each episode we're going to pick an animal and work out how many of those we reckon we could take in a fight (laughs) (laughs) love it that is class i can't wait to listen to that thanks for listening to our bonus episode we'll be back soon with a full episode in the meantime you can follow us on social media at dumbwomenpod thanks to gavin day for our artwork harry harris for our jingles and zoho radio studios bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.